All right. If you want to open up to Mark chapter one, thank you so much for being here today. A lot of this is uh, experimenting, so we're we're working on uh, what what can create just a good environment for us to be together. Um, this is why we live here, right? This is beautiful outside, and uh, we knew it'd be a little bit cold today. I was saying, uh, you know, in, in a normal year, most of us would be going out to watch golf next week uh, and being outside in the cold. So we should be able to come together for church for about forty-five minutes or so, but. Um, we're, uh, yeah, we're going to jump into Mark chapter 1, and I want to just read through the first 13 verses. Um, like we said earlier, uh, on our, our website you can find the sermon notes, um, but let's, uh, let's jump into this gospel together. It says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight for him, pass for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He probably listened to Leonard Skinnerd. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I am, and the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And at once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. It's the words of Mark. Uh, We're going to be in Mark for quite some time. As we are joining these two churches together, uh, we just want to spend time in the story of Jesus. And this is a powerful story. And, uh, and our hope is that as we, we just hang in this story for the next few months, uh, uh, Jesus will just form us to be his church. Uh, the stories uh, are powerful. And there's been a lot said of, of what stories do. I love stories. I'm a bit of a storyteller. love hearing a good story. Um, but here's what stories do. Stories shape the world. Stories shape the world around us. Here's some things that have been said about storytelling, that storytelling is the most powerful way to put ideas into the world today. Storytelling can reveal meaning without even defining it. Stories are communal currency of humanity. And this story of of Jesus is not only just a story, this is a story that's been divinely inspired. When Jesus was talking about the truths of who God is, he told stories. When he was talking about the truths of the kingdom that is coming here and now and also this future destination, he told stories to explain what those truths were. And this story of Mark is this story that we believe is divinely inspired. It is scripture. We would use the words that it's sacred. And there's something about it as we read, not only is it divinely inspired when it was written, but it inspires us that that God's spirit speaks to us through this story. 
What you'll find about Mark is uh, just in this first passage that we read, um, he's already like four chapters in of if you were in Luke or Matthew. Mark isn't nearly detailed as Luke or Matthew, and he's not nearly poetic as, as John's gospel. He moves quickly. He skips over Christmas because he's a Grinch. I don't know. But it's, it's kind of like the story of Jesus that's been distilled into the highlights. And so it's the most simple form of this gospel. He was the first one to, to put it into writing. So it's a simple story, a simple gospel of Jesus, and it's a sacred story. And our hope is that this simple and sacred story would form us as a community over the next few months. I also think it's, it's good to move slowly through Scripture. Uh, when we do sermons, we won't always do that, but there's something about slowing down and moving slowly through Scripture. When we look at Scripture, it, it's, it's words that we take at face value, and it's powerful and wondrous. But I think one of the, the wonderful metaphors I've heard about it is it's like the ocean. When you just look at the ocean, it's beautiful, it's magnificent, it's, it's wondrous. Like you, it, it, it's just this, this vast, you know, it, it's blue and, and it's gorgeous. I, when you when living out here in the summertime and it's hot, you go to San Diego, you see, that, you see the beautiful ocean and it just, it, it's a, you have a sense of awe. And, and that's just when you see it. But the ocean is so much more than that. A couple of years back, I read a, a book called uh, In the Heart of the Sea. It was about... Um, the tragedy of the whale ship Essex um, sounds like a really boring story about a whale ship, but it's uh, th- this, this, uh, this true story that took place a couple hundred years ago where the whale ship Essex gets attacked by uh, a rogue whale. And it's actually the story that inspires Moby Dick. And uh, so really, really fascinating story. Uh, a couple of the sailors survive on a raft on a, on a lifeboat, and they're out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And they have uh, no way to get back, and so they, they literally just float in. A bunch of them die, but a bunch of, few of them survive. And over 100 days, they're out in the ocean, floating back in uh, towards South America. And they start to talk about the ocean as this thing that is alive, that, that as, they're, as they're slowly going through the ocean, they talk about almost like the terrain of the ocean. And they're using language like you would be describing the, the terrain of our continent, right? You've got the coast and then the Appalachian Mountains and you go out into the Ohio Valley and the Great Plains and then you hit the Rockies and there's these different climates with the different terrains. They were talking about the ocean and they were using um, the this, this same type of language to talk about the kelp forest and, and currents that were like rivers that they would go through and, and, and waves that were like mountains. And there were times where you would see schools or herds of fish and other times the ocean felt like a desert, and they had this different experience when they were slowly going through the ocean. They saw how alive it was. And when we move slowly through Scripture, I think the same thing happens. The Scripture all of a sudden has texture. It's alive. There's color to it. And as we move through Mark these next few months, I, I want us to just experience that, to, to see the color of Mark, to, to, to even smell what it was like. These are real people at, at, in a real place interacting with a real God. These stories do something to us, and these stories form us. This is an alive and active story that we're jumping into in the Gospel of Mark. So here's how Mark opens. In the beginning, the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. He opens up with this declaration that this is good news. This is a gospel. It's a declaration. So a couple observations um, that we'll take just from these first few verses is, who wrote it? We said his name's Mark. He's also called John Mark. Uh, well, here's what we know about John Mark. Uh, mo- most people think that this is the guy that wrote this gospel. Uh, he was the cousin of a man named Barnabas. 
Uh, his story takes place in Acts chapter 12. That's where we hear about this author. And uh, there's this fascinating story where Peter, the disciple, is in prison. This is after the resurrection. And he has this miraculous escape from, escape from prison. And as he's running from the prison, uh, he goes to this home. And it's the home where the Christians would gather in the first century. And we find out that it's actually Mark's mom who owns this home. And the Christians are praying for Peter to be released. And then this miraculous thing happens and he's released. So Peter ends up in this home of Mark's mom. Uh, Some people think that this home was where the Christians would meet secretly. This might be the place of the Last Supper. Um, but, But it would have been in the home of Mark, this author. His mom would have been this prominent figure in the church. And, and what we find is, is, is when Peter gets there and the church is gathering, uh, Mark is experiencing this. We're not sure how old he is. We don't know if he's a young boy or if he's, he's a young man. But he's, he's experiencing these stories of the early church right after the resurrection. And he becomes friends with Peter. They find out he's got some leadership. He becomes friends with Paul. He goes on a mission trip with Paul. And, and then something happens with the life of Mark. He totally bails on Paul. And he just kind of flakes out on him. And, and we find out that Paul's upset about it. Later in Acts, Paul writes, they're going to go on another mission trip. And he finds out that this Mark, John Mark, wants to come. And Paul's like, we're not taking him. And one of the first disagreements in the church happened because of Mark. And, and Mark, Barnabas, his cousin's like, fine, we're going to go a different way. And Paul's like, sure, I'll take Silas. And there's this breaking of their, uh, their fellowship. It sounds like Lord of the Rings or something. But they go different ways. And, uh, and Paul is ticked off at Mark. And so one of the first disagreements comes from this author of the Gospel of Mark. They were upset at him because of his flakiness. And eventually what we find is that, that Paul and Mark reconcile, and there's this, Paul believes them in him again. But what Mark does as he leaves Paul is he's disappointed this great leader. He ends up having this other calling where he goes and he uh, he takes down the story of Jesus, and he's the first person to put it in, like, into, to, well, he, he's the first person to, 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 to gather it together. And, and, and we have these Gospels. Most of them draw their information from Mark. And what we learn about this story of Mark, this person, even before we read his story, is that this was a man who disappointed his leaders. And this was a man who his calling, he felt, was different than what they wanted him to do. He had maybe felt like he had failed them. But what we know about the character of Mark is that even though Paul gives up on him, God doesn't. And Mark shows us that. Mark shows us that even though a person might give up on you because of your past, God doesn't. And God still uses him to do this thing that is so significant, writing this gospel. Mark reminds us that people may give up on you, but God doesn't. There's a poem that was written about this life of Mark, and it says these words, They on the heights are not the souls who never erred or went astray or reached those high rewarding goals along a smooth flower-bordered way. Nay, they who stand where first comes dawn are those who stumbled but went on. So even as we read the words of this author, This is a man who was given a second chance. This was a man whose calling didn't look like what Paul's thought it would be for him, but he does something so significant writing down this gospel story. And here's the the purpose of this gospel. 
as Mark writes it down for us, it's composed to satisfy the urgent requests of people in Rome for a written summary of Peter's preaching. And so what you'll find as we read through this gospel of Mark is it's, it's got all of these like parallels to the, the sermons Peter gives in the book of Acts. And, and what you might even say is that this gospel, that as Mark writes it down, it's, it's Peter's story. As he got close to Peter, you could call this Peter's gospel. Or you could call it this, that as Mark heard this story from Peter, that you could call this gospel the story that my friend told me about Jesus. Mark is scribing the story. He's writing the story down. He goes from this, this failed uh, person in ministry to this dedicated disciple to the premier uh, author of Jesus's story. And it's because of this relationship with Peter. He shares a story that Peter has shared with him. Which So, so, so Mark not only reminds us that, that even if people give up on us, God can still use us, uh, what Mark is reminding us here is that the story of Jesus is a story that we all share because someone has shared with us at some point. We have received this story from other people. This is a story that's been passed down. And I wonder if you remember who first shared the story, this gospel story of Jesus with you. Maybe it was someone in your family. Maybe it was a church. Maybe it was a neighbor. But we've all received this story because it was passed down from someone else. And we have this opportunity to share it with others as well. This is how the gospel is spread. I know for me, my dad was a pastor, so grew up in the church all the time. But it was actually my mom who shared the story with me, this gospel story. And I wonder who that is for you that has shared the story, the story of Jesus and salvation. There's also this call that we share the story with others, as, as Mark declares. This is a story. He has been given by Peter and here he is passing it to other people. When we are excited to receive good news, when we are excited about celebrating a victory, for me, the Phoenix Suns beat the Dallas Mavericks last night. And if you've been following the Phoenix Suns, that win is personal, right? I was so excited. I was texting all my friends. That's a great win. When we celebrate victory, when we celebrate good stories, it pours out of us naturally that we share that news with other people. And I wonder when was the last time we actually shared this news of Jesus with others. It's been a weird year with COVID. Um, and it's not really been something on the forefront of our mind is to keep sharing the story. If this church is going to be a unique place in this community, we have to boldly share the story. It's been passed down to us by other people. And now we are responsible for sharing the story of salvation, the story of Jesus with our friends, with our family, with our neighbors. And Mark reminds us to share this transformative story. And then the second part of this first verse, so he says, uh, you know, this is, this is the, the beginning of the good news about Jesus. And then it goes on to say, as it was written by Isaiah the prophet. So he goes Old Testament on us. And he brings out these, these words from this, this prophet from hundreds of years before the time of Jesus then he shares a story. It's almost like Mark begins this story with this transcendent offstage uh, voice speaking these words of Scripture, declaring that the story about to be heard accords with Scripture. And, and as we just read those 13 verses, what you find is this echo of the Old Testament. 
Uh, we were talking about this passage uh, with, with the staff the other day, pulling the staffs together. So fun to, to hear different input. And Bree and Tyler were talking about, you, you hear this echo of, of the Old Testament story, not only with the words of Isaiah and Malachi, but, but the, John the Baptist sounds like this Old Testament prophet, right? Like the way he's dressed and the, his message that he has, he sounds like Elijah. And there's this connection with the Exodus story. So it talks about Jesus being baptized. And you think about the Israelites being set free from the Egyptians and, and going through the Red Sea and passing through and all the things that enslaved them are washed away. And then the 40 days in the wilderness that the Israel, Israel goes out into the wilderness. Well, here Jesus goes out. There's this like echo of the old story. And here's one thing that Mark's telling in this gospel. Is, is yes, like this old story, there's covenant language of God's people and, and, and God. But where Israel messed up, this new person, Jesus, will be faithful. The ways that the old covenant, what, the, the, the people would, would constantly make mistakes, Jesus doesn't. And what we have in the story of Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenant. So this relationship we have with God What we have in Jesus is this idea of grace, the cross, the the gospel story that all the things that we get wrong, Jesus makes right. This is the the covenant that that is fulfilled through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And and Mark's drawing from the story of God's people. And you could say that in Jesus, this culmination of the Hebraic hope uh, that God would intervene, that God would bring salvation is now being fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Jesus is the true fulfillment of the covenant. So this life we have with God is no longer based on merit. It's based on grace. God's grace for us that we, we have in Jesus. So that's just the first verse of Mark. And we're going we're gonna to dive in for the next uh, few months together. But this, this author who had messed up and yet found a new calling and redemption and has done this significant thing where he writes this text for us, reminds us that the story that we have of Jesus is, is, is given to us by other people and then we're called to pass it to others to share that story, the story of this new covenant of God's grace, that all the things that we do and strive towards, all the things that are broken inside of us, all of, everything's being put back together through Jesus, and we're going to see that through the action and the life of Jesus in this book. I'm excited to jump in. I'd like to encourage you to dive in with this as well. Uh, we have a, a reading list uh, that you can, you can follow, and, uh, and our hope is just that we would become good friends with Mark over the next couple of months. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day, this beautiful weather. Lord, we're grateful for your people, that we get to gather today to worship you, to pray together, to celebrate what you are doing. Lord, to, to, to open up your word and to, to experience these words that are ancient, and yet they are so relevant to our lives, Lord. These stories that get inside of us that we also find ourselves in the midst of. Lord, we'd ask that you would just continue to speak to us, your church. Lord, that everything would be centered on Jesus and what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus is doing in us, what Jesus is doing through us. Lord, I just ask that you would uh, just empower this church with your spirit. 
This would be a place of peace, of unity, of mission. Lord, that we would be faithful to the things you've called us to. We'd be formed by these stories. That we would be people who understand grace. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.